Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we ranked every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Hey Adam. How you doing, Zach? I've been I've been thinking a lot about our enemies, as you know we have many of them. <laughs> we do. I've been I've been th- I've been thinking a lot about you know the weak, those who aren't worthy. And I've right. thought about I've thought about a lot of things that they've done, and I've looked at it, and I've decided everything they built will fall, and from the ashes <laughs> of their world, we'll build a better one. <laughs> That's my Oscar Isaac impression. It's not very good. I you know what? If we painted you blue, uh, you know, or purple, sorry, you you might be able to pull that off. You know what I mean? I couldn't be worse than him. I couldn't. <laughs> I love Oscar Isaac. He he was working he was working with with some loaded dice there. Yeah, not not a lot to work with there, Mr. Isaac. Uh I I guess from that uh monologue we're talking about apocalypse this week. Yeah, that's uh that's the name that humans are allowed to call him. Um it's apocalypse. Yep. Uh and this is, you know, sort of standard apocalypse not uh present day as we know him hox pox to ten of swords apocalypse this is not the apocalypse that we met last week who was both wildly supporting and uplifting of people and also stabbing small children in the chest (laughs) he's only one of those in this (laughs) yeah uh but we've got some very unique angles on uh apocalypse and um you know, I thought we were going to start with some Age of Apocalypse, but this is not an Age of Apocalypse. This is uh, this is plural. This is Ages of Apocalypse. Yeah, Ages. It's it's very similar to you know how Marvel did Marvel's Superhero Secret War. Yes, and they did Marvel's Superhero Secret Wars too. Yes. Well, then they did a thing called Secret War, mm-hmm. which was not plural. But then they also did another thing called Secret Wars, which was plural again, <laughs> which tells me that Marvel's got to stop doing it because it's really confusing when they do this. Ages of Apocalypse is wholly unrelated to the Age of Apocalypse, a event that we will be talking about sometime in the fall again, which is exciting. Um, Who do we have to thank weird. for uh, requesting Ages of Apocalypse, Zach? We got Matthew Thompson to think. Matthew went on over to patreon.com slash comicsxf, tossed a couple of dollars into our coffers and said, fellas, I'd love it, love it, love it if you would talk about Ages of Apocalypse. And if you want us to talk about weird, uh, weird Alan Davis stories, uh, <laughs> you can definitely go on over there as well and throw, throw a couple of bucks our way. Um, and there's other things you can do there too. We've got a Discord that's fun. We've got content. Go check it out. Uh, and then you can support cool stuff that people who are cool are doing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's a bold statement to say 
what we're doing on the average is cooler than Ages of Apocalypse. I have to agree. Um, well, we should probably start by at least telling people what these issues are, because it's all over the map. This is not like a sequential thing. It is all over the map. So this is... You remember the 12? We've I do. We've talked about the 12, but you remember the 12. It was bad. The mutant circuit? Yes. The... The mutant technology. So, you know, we have the we have the five <laughs> and the six and the two, which is the fastball special. This is the twelve, right? <laughs> which I know is coming and back at some point. It's so dumb, and someone's going to recontextualize it, and people are going to say, "Well, actually, the twelve was good," and they're wrong because the twelve is like five or six issues, and then at the end of the twelve. Apocalypse merges with our boy Scott Summers. Right, who's saving X-Man. Um, so X-Man does not become Apocalypse and, like, reconstitute all of reality. And yet he still manages to reconstitute some of reality here. Yes. Um. So what Apocalypse does, for dubious as heck reasons, can't really tell why is shunt everyone into their own weird separate realities. So, five books, Uncanny X-Men, Cable, Wolverine, X-Men Unlimited, and X-Men, uh, Volume 2, were all thrown into their own sub-realities. Um, so, there's a bunch of books there. Let's do a quick rundown of everything that's in here. Sure. Just so... It's a lot. You've got it. So, it's a lot. So, there's... Uncanny X-Men is the first one. That's an Alan Davis, uh, Terry Cavanaugh, uh, Adam Kubert, and Graham Nolan book. Mm-hmm. Which, Adam, what's, what's that? What's the gist of that one? Uh, Silver Age X-Men, except um, uh, no Cyclops. And we've got Gambit, Storm, and... Uh, is it just Gambit and Storm that are the replacements here? Gambit I- and Storm replace... Cyclops and Angel, right, and 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 Iceman looks kind of mushy. Anyway, you and know, the Brotherhood's the Brotherhood's fun and weird. Yes, uh, like Toad is Marrow, um, and there's a couple. Uh, Polaris just looks kind of bored. Um, she's the Scarlet Witch, right? Right. She's got a green. Sunfire's Quicksilver. Yeah, um, they end up at a, you know, a carnival and uh, face off, and Cyclops appears out of nowhere, and everybody is starting to realize that they, you know. They're not where they're supposed to be. Um, and then they wake up in the room where they, the big pinball room where uh, they were doing the 12 thing. It's not very exciting. At the same time, <laughs> it's not. At the same time, you've got Cable, which is by Joe Pruitt with Bernard Chang uh, on art. Uh, which is weird because Cable is dreaming of Egypt times. Yeah, and, and has, like, backup in uh, X-Men Samurai that show up, which is weird. Very confusing, doesn't make any sense. But that's fine, because as soon as that's through, we move on over to Eric Larson and Roger Cruz's Wolverine. Uh, which, Adam, if I was going to say one of these concepts out of the five appealed to you the most, I would think it's this one in general. Well, this one made me mad, because I was like, oh... <laughs> It's the new, it's the new Fantastic Four from Simonson and Art Adams by Eric Larson and um, who's doing the art here? Roger Cruz, right? Um, yep. And there's 
I let's just save it because I want to I want to talk about all of these together. But uh, suffice to say, it it did not meet my expectations. <laughs> There's ultimate or not ultimate unlimited X Men, mm-hmm. uh, which is by Joe Pruitt and uh, yeah, Brett Booth. Uh, I'm gonna be completely and totally honest. I did fall asleep while reading this one, and I cannot recall what happened. Well, this is this Folks, is sort of the I like. I promise you, I read all of these. I did sleep. <laughs> this one's the On the Moon book, right? Where where yes. a futuristic version of the X Men uh, fight against a newer version of the Four Horsemen, which includes what Caliban, Ahab, who else? Warbird, Warbird, and. Who's the fourth one? Uh, the, Davin Shikari. Uh, you may know him better as Eric the Red. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's Eric the Red, but he's like a, a demon. Um, yeah, so that one's really bad. And, you know, everybody's super long because it's Brett Booth art. <laughs> Just makes people look like they're made out of laughing taffy. They're so long. Uh, and then, you know, the, the real strange finale of these is Alan Davis... Um, and it's the the future, right? Um, yeah, it's a hundred years in the future, uh, and it's the X Men, and none of them have died. Everyone's very old, right? Yeah, um, and it's interesting. Beast is a hippie. Uh, <laughs> Storm has just become this elemental being. They live on a planet for X Men called right. X World. Yeah. They have become the central hub of the galaxy. Like, listen, a lot of these concepts are currently being done in X-Men, and I'm here for them. <laughs> so I can't say too much. Like, Alan Davis had some good ideas on this one, and it's probably my favorite of the five. Absolutely. It might be because it's all Alan Davis art. Yeah, well, I mean, that helps a lot, because the art is very inconsistent throughout these. But the the big problem that I have with this whole thing is that there's no real connective tissue between any of it. Um, I was expecting there to be a, a through line, but it in each of the issues, it seems that there's the alternate reality that then kicks uh, the characters. Once they figure out what's going on, they get kicked back into the actual reality. But then it doesn't really make sense why some of them don't wake up and others do and when and you know like it all seems to be kind of resolved after the first issue and yet we get four more additional alternate realities which have nothing to do with each other so it's weird that there's no internal consistency and it's very weird that there is no narrative momentum no to any of this no there's nothing holding them together other than you know at some point in each issue that the uh cyclops apocalypse uh amalgam is going to show Cypocalypse. up what do they call him Cyclops? Psy- Psy- <laughs> yes i like Cypocalypse. that he, he's gonna show up and he's gonna like wreak havoc and say ha ha i'm i'm gonna conquer the the world or whatever but then nothing really happens bins because you know this doesn't this lead into uh search search for cyclops eventually it takes a bit yeah um so back to your question about the new fantastic four yes that one ticked me off because uh monsters unleashed is one of my i love the simonson run of fantastic four and to see larson uh revisit this concept i was like this is gonna be fun um 
And it's it's just not. There's not a lot going on. It's you know? not. I don't like Roger Cruz's art in general, so it didn't help. I actually don't like the Eric Larson run of Wolverine at all. I think it's pretty bad. It does... The If there's one thing about Eric Larson's run on Wolverine, it's that he seems very adamantly to believe that Wolverine and Carol Danvers should be a couple. Yeah. And this was back in the 90s, and I'm like, yeah, no, this is a great pairing, and this, they should be the power couple of the Marvel Universe, but that's fine. Yeah, it, it's just... I just think Wolverine should be with a powerful lady. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I know some people sh- uh, ship him with uh, with Storm, and I, I, I kind of get that, even though it's not my favorite thing in the world. But, um, you know, I I don't have a problem with, with Cruz's art there. I think he's doing a fine job. It's just there, there's not much story here to, to back up any of this. Like, there's no real reason for Cable to be, um, you know, fighting a war in Egypt with Samurai Magneto. Um, you know, like the, Oh, they have a history. Well, what is it? I don't know. What is this? You know, there's nothing going through each of these stories to connect them together. So there, there's not much interest to push you towards the next issue. I think the Alan Davis issue is at least interesting because the concepts it presents are kind of fascinating. Like here's a fun future version of the X-Men that I want to know more about. Like, I want to know why these characters ended up like they did um, but it's just that one issue, and then we'll never go back to that ever again. Never again will the X-Men have their own planet. <laughs> never. Um, so yeah, I think this one's a bit of a dud. Um, it, it is, I guess, mildly interesting, but... Um, the Mildly is saying a lot. Again, <laughs> I fell asleep reading one of these. Well, you know, just with most sequential storytelling or, or episodic storytelling, like you want a reason to go to the next issue. And I didn't find one, you know, like I was happy that it at least ended on a high note with that Alan Davis issue. But even that, it doesn't really have much of a connection to the 12 and it didn't make me want to know what happened next because I knew it wasn't going to be yeah, in all... that reality. So let's uh, let's go ahead and rank this bad boy then. Yes. we rank things here, Adam. We sure you know do. On, on what, though? What is this that we rank them on? On our list of 522 X-Men stories, uh, ranked from best to worst. Uh, we've been doing this for years now, folks, and we're getting pretty good at figuring out where things need to go. We're lasering in. Pew, pew. Uh, the number one story on our list is Hoxpox. The number 100 story on our list is Messiah War. The number 200 story on our list is The Trial of Jean Grey. Uh, number 300 on our list is the Schism tie-ins, the Generation Hope. Uh, the number 400 story on our list is the Dazzler Thor arc of A-Force. Number 500 on our list is Dazzler X-Song. Uh, and 522 is the Draco! Boo! Uh, well, at 493, we have uh, Apocalypse the 12. Is this better or worse than the 12? Worse. Apocalypse... Apocalypse the 12 is bad, but it has a narrative where this is... Does not. This is wild and long, and I'm so tired of it in the art, with the exception of Art Adams. And the Kubert stuff's fine. I'm just not a huge Kubert guy. Uh, there's no Art Adams in this. You mean... I know not what you Art mean. Adam, I meant... I meant Alan Davis. I'm <laughs> sorry, Art Adams. That's okay. No, you're, the you're absolutely right. the second time that I've screwed up an Art Adams credit 
since Adam and I have been recording. We've already cut out the one. Um, so I'm going to go down. I don't think this is like offensive. I just think it's kind of boring. So here's, here's what I'd say. It's, it's probably better than Axis, right? Yeah. Axis is at 495. Um, and it, in between there, we've got 494 is, uh, X-Men 43, 40 to 45 and Avengers 53, which is the silver age Avengers versus the X-Men. I think that's better than this. That one's better. So this would be it our is. new 495? Is, uh, yes, it would be. This is Ages of Apocalypse. Yeah. Apocalypse, not actually in this story very much at all. No, no. Makes makes some slight appearances. Um, speaking of stories that are named Apocalypse, but don't, don't actually have much Apocalypse in them. <laughs> what's this next one we've got here, Zach? <laughs> Next one we got here is Apocalypse War from Extraordinary X-Men. Uh, Apocalypse Wars, if you don't know, was a 2016 summer event to coincide with the movie X-Men Apocalypse. Um, so there was there was uh, Apocalypse Story in both Extraordinary X-Men, All-New X-Men, and Uncanny X-Men, which were the X-Men books that were going on at the time. Right. Important to note, Apocalypse was dead <laughs> and regular 616 apocalypse does not appear in any of those stories no it is uh one of the more bananas editorial mandates especially given that it is during this period where marvel is sort of shying away uh from the marketing of the x line um and you know and yet all... they still tied in to the fox movie x-men apocalypse yeah yeah except these books do not cross over um they have nothing in common like well i'm just i'm talking about the 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 little icon itself apocalypse where it's each of these stories in each of the books we're just covering extraordinary right now but none of them have anything to do with one another whatsoever um now what lemire decides to do here um with ramos I think is probably Ramos and Jeff Lemire, by the way. Yeah. I think this is probably the most interesting of the three. Um, and I got to say rereading this as a whole, I was like, okay, I see what Lemire's doing here and, uh, I don't hate it. I, I don't absolutely hate it. Um, so we should probably just give a, a little distillation of, of what's happening in this story. Right. I mean, yeah, we should. So, <laughs> This is during the Terrigen times, yes. uh, when the X-Men were banished to hell. Yes, uh, and mutants have been sterilized by the Terrigen cloud, apparently. Yes. So no, no new anyway, mutants. You could do anyway. it, Zach. Just grit your teeth. Come on. <laughs> it's just, it was such a... Dumb I like idea? Lemire. Yeah, it's terrible. I... I like Jeff Lemire as a creator. I've read Jeff Lemire comics that have made me cry. Underwater Welder is incredibly good. I just dub the amount of not good stuff that Jeff Lemire had to deal with. Boy, oh boy, it throws me off. Uh, But so mutants are sterilized and Storm finds out on Cerebro or Cerebro or whatever they're using these days that there's 600 new mutants. So they send a team to get them. And the, this is the most important 
mission that they could have is when Colossus says, hey, y'all, I've been training some X-Men kids. Uh, can we handle this one? So Colossus goes with Ernst, No Girl, Annalee, and my boy Glob Herman. <laughs> to fight? The Sugar Man. That's right. That's right. And can we just take Why? a moment? I don't know. Well, Sugar Man's always been sort of lurking around in the background, but um, it, he is the one that has created this uh, this little sort of orb filled with, um, I guess, I, it's never really described how they're Viable 600 mutant embryos yeah they, they're they're going to be 600 mutants potentially born out of this orb um which he very much intends to uh send into the far future where i guess he is aware of another age of apocalypse um because that's where our characters end up but before we talk about the the, the arc anymore i just want to give props to humberto uh, ramos who does a fantastic sugar man. Like most people do a terrible sugar man. Ramos does a great sugar man. Ramos fits with sugar man. Like that's the right aesthetic. <laughs> There's some characters that Ramos does a real bad job with. Uh, I don't think sugar man is one of them. No. I think, I think Ramos does a pretty darn good job with the sugar man. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a huge Ramos fan. I actually think that Ramos works best with Spider-Man. I know a lot of Spider- Spider-Man fans have gotten tired of him, but the way that he does exaggerated motion and like contorted bodies and all that stuff when he's doing action, it really fits for Peter Parker, fits less for Storm. Sure, yeah. Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's kind of made a Laffy Taffy. Um, so anyway... Like you were saying, the the kids get sent to the future first, and the rest of the team catches up. But the 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 kids have already been there a year, and this is where I think the story really does a nice job. Is we get this standalone issue, issue nine of what the kids have been up to and how they've been involved. Now, unfortunately, all of this evolution for these four characters has kind of been forgotten about. Like Anale gets huge over the course of this single year. And yet, Analy gets so swole. He's back to sort of just being skinny mini Analy in, in today's New Mutants. So um, I guess they they just kind of forgot about that. Um, Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Have you ever heard Have you ever heard of the phrase "If you don't use it, you lose it"? Yes. <laughs> the moment Analy no longer had to live in a dystopic hellscape. He stopped working out. Just immediately. He's like, nope. Nope. Uh, Glob looks no different, which is great. Yeah, no, Glob is just sort of globby. Um, so I love it. This is Robert, also... Lemire, Lemire deserves credit for Glob. I love his Glob. He's good. He has a crush on Jean Grey. It's very cute. And he thinks about her the entire time he's in the future, which would seem weird, except for it's very obviously positioned as the thing that Glob is using to, like, anchor himself back to his own reality and, like, saying that he has a life back on Earth, which he really kind of doesn't. So he's holding on to whatever he can. (laughs) And I think that's I think that's an adorable and incredible thing for my boy Glob. Yeah. I, I think it reads as cute more than anything else. Um, 
I, I think he writes yeah. the the four characters very very well. Obviously, no girl doesn't have any lines, um, but you know the, their adventures through these sort of bubble worlds that they travel through is is really fun. Um, I think less fun is the fact that when they're here in the future, they are trying to protect the orb from Apocalypse's new horsemen, who include Colossus, Venom. Deadpool and a future version of Moon Knight, um, who must have been a blast to draw for Ramos, but there's no real like character behind any of it. It's it doesn't really make a lot the, of sense. The problem is the last three issues of this five issue arc are just a big fight scene yeah. between the X Men and the Horsemen, um, which is pretty disappointing. Uh, they're cool designs. I mean, like. This was at the same time that Lemire was doing his Moon Knight run, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So definitely pulling in some of that. Uh, His Deadpool has his mouth sewn shut, uh, which is a great choice. And (laughs) I understand that we were mad at the 20th Century Fox Corporation for that at one point in our lives. But I think we've all grown past that and understood that maybe they made the right choice. Yeah, and, and ultimately, I don't think the story really makes sense. Um, Apocalypse is said to want the orb. Then it's said that he was trusting the kids to handle the orb. Then he destroys it because they didn't do a good enough job or something like that. And it it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, it's one of these stories where you, you know that Apocalypse does what he does uh, long term, long, long view, because... He wants uh, mutant kind to be the strongest it can possibly be. Uh, this is a story that doesn't quite understand Apocalypse's motivations to the point where at the end of the story, they end up bringing the the like shrunken, shriveled up Apocalypse back to uh, X-Haven um, because they think he's the only one that can fix Colossus. And yet they don't have Colossus either. So um, bit, a bit of a hey, mixed bag. I know we've, We've talked about this. I don't know if it's been on the show, but we've at le- you and I have talked about this. Was Apocalypse ever good before, like, two years ago? <laughs> like, legitimately, was Apocalypse ever actually a good character until about two years ago? Because I'm not sure that Apocalypse was good yet. I think he was just important he's he's good conceptually i think that the the current uh version of apocalypse that we got was definitely the best uh version of the character that we've gotten since simonson's uh follow the mutants version of the character because it Mm -hmm. it's there's so many times that like people just don't quite understand what to do with him or why he is what he is and um it's only recently that we've finally gotten like the the whole picture of what he was all about but that's only because it's been retconned that way so um i will say but it was a good retcon it's a fantastic there were swords yeah um i will say um to give lemire some credit here i think that the the story building with uh, magic and sapna that's happening sort of in the background as the as the b plot to this story Mm -hmm. is pretty interesting um i you know I remember these issues as they were coming out. I haven't revisited them in a while. But to read it all as as an arc, I thought, you know, it actually held together pretty well. Um, But we've said this before. The editorial mandates that are just being placed on him are just too much. You know, he's got to tie in the Inhuman stuff. He's got to tie in this Apocalypse story, which is just... 
I don't think it has anything to do with the story he wants to tell. Um, so it's, no, it's a real mixed He's bag. finding a way to... He's finding a way to keep telling the one story he wants to tell about Ileana right. and Sapna. <laughs> uh, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of that, we've got three Extraordinary X-Men stories on this list right now. At 167 is Extraordinary X-Men 17, which is that tie-in to uh, IVX, mm-hmm. where it's a good story. <laughs> um, that's a good one. 201 is Kingdom's Fall, which is the story we were just talking about. Uh, and then 374 is Extraordinary X-Men 1 through 5, uh, the opening arc, which is bad. Yeah, this is definitely I think better. this is probably worse than Kingdom's Fall, but yeah. Yeah, we're, we're definitely in between those two, because it's not nearly as bad as the opening arc. Um, but I don't think it's as good as the conclusion of the, you know, the Ileana Sapna story. So, um... Yeah, we're somewhere. Like Schism is at two ninety three, and Schism's better. I would agree. Um, I think we're in the three hundreds, probably here. Um, and I'm. Oh, we're defo in the three hundreds. Yeah. Um, how do you feel it against a, something like Death of X is where, three? Where's Death of X? Three fifty. Three fifty is Dex Death of X. I think Death of X is better. Okay, so we, we just reread that. Recently. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. So we're we're in between three fifty and three seventy five here. Um, I think this is probably better than three fifty six Aurora. Better before the storm. Um, how do you feel against something like X Core at uh, three fifty three? I think X Core is probably a better story. Oh, actually, mm, this is a good comparison. Okay. At 355, just two spots down, is Buncanny X-Men 1 through 5, uh, Survival <laughs> of the Fittest. Yeah, that uh, first arc. Which I think is I think is on par, uh, but definitely loses a lot of steam with some of the worst Greg Land art that Greg Land's Absolutely. Ever done. I think this is better than that. Um, so that leaves us with uh, Generation X. I don't think this is better than Christmas Fear. Okay, so this is going to be our new 355. This will be our new 355, Extraordinary X-Men Apocalypse War. Uh, And our final story for today is um, an interesting one. Um, Back in 2008, there was a series of one-shots called X-Men Black. Um, But the one villain they did not give a standalone issue to was Apocalypse. So... What they did was they did a full size issue, but as backups, which was an interesting choice. Yeah, they did they did backups to all five issues, uh, but with uh, Apocalypse, uh, and we're just gonna call it X Men Black Apocalypse because that's what it is. Uh, it's written by friends of the show Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler, uh, whose recent book Undone by Blood or the Other Side of Eden just finished up last week. And it's great, and you should check it out. It's got Sammy Cave on uh, art, and it's... If you like westerns, or if you don't like westerns, <laughs> you're gonna... Do you like stories with Wolverine in it? And then more stories that deal with the ramifications of Wolverine being a sad cowboy? You're gonna like this book. <laughs> it's good. Uh, oh. But no, uh, Zach and Lonnie do it. Uh, Gerardo Borges... Uh, does the pencils and inks of mm-hmm. Michelle Rosenberg on those colors. Yeah, um, and this is an interesting story. Uh, 
I, I feel like we had not seen Apocalypse in the actual Apocalypse in quite some time, as you mentioned. So, because um, we hadn't. Yeah. Do you know when the last time we saw him was? When's actual? Do you know apocalypse? when the last time? Blood of Apocalypse, right after Decimation, with Peter Milligan in Savonarca, where he jumps into that celestial portal. Hey, hey, do you know how he came back? Uh, No, I have no idea. Neither do I! (laughs) Well, it it should... It should not have 100% something... sure Zach and Lonnie know either, but that's no. fine. Well, and and to give them credit, what they do here is really interesting. Um, this story is very much a standalone. You're not sure where it takes place. You're not quite sure when it takes place, but it could be used as a transition between multiple states because we start with Apocalypse in uh, a laboratory working on creating the next host body for him that is going to be completely immortal and nothing is ever going to be able to stop it. Um, he's using a machine he's, he's dubbed the Finch and he has all of these different, um, you know, human bodies that he, that he's using here. Um, and something goes wrong. The, the host that he's trying to manipulate into this sort of immortal strong host, um, reacts very very poorly and i i think i remember zach and lonnie saying that this was very influenced by um the movie annihilation which i'm a huge fan of uh, as well as as well as the book um, because apocalypse ends up in this very very interesting weird colorful like almost fantasy land of you know things trying to kill him uh, and he is slowly devolving back into a human and then into a primate um, before he starts to sort of figure out where he is and what he's supposed to do. It's it's a pretty cool setup. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with a lot of those influences. I know uh, Zach, uh, in his newsletter, recommended a book called Fauna by uh, Christine Vande- Vadness. Uh, which is a book about a small town going through rapid evolution. And it has a lot of that same, like I can, I can reading these two on the same weekend. Like obviously this came out, this came out after uh, that X-Men story, but like you can tell everything's playing in that same kind of bubble of nature and like what makes you human and stories that are more about setting a tone and, giving you a sense of wonder and dread mm. more than telling like a tight, tight narrative. Well, and, and I really, I really love that in this. Yeah. It's also a, a version of this character that we have never seen. And I don't think we'll ever see again in that he is transforming. And as he's devolving is also just sort of realizing you know, that he's not experienced things like thirst or weakness in, in eons. So this is like a, a very weird thing for him to be going through. Um, however, he does eventually defeat his, uh, his captors who kind of look like his human as a monkey, right? He is, he's devolved back into a primate and, uh, there are versions of, the humans that he's been experimenting on, but they look kind of like celestials. Um, and he manages to, yeah, the Finch, the Finch evolved them and de-evolved him. Right. Right. Um, so it kind of turns out that he's living inside of a, a world 
based on his what like his genetic structure is, is that the explanation that's given here i, I forget what the yeah, world yeah. It's is a, it's a whole world of him right so everything's it's a, it's trying a world to kill where him everything is hyper evolving yeah yep and everything's trying to kill him to make him stronger so it's it's a really uh high concept idea and i, I think it works really well i think it especially works for what it is as a because this is a backup so you have to have specific beats for each chapter like each every few pages you have to have a change right so it's first issue sets it up the next three are progressively devolving him putting apocalypse in the worst places he could be to the point that issue four he is speaking not in dialogue boxes in so much as descriptions of the next action he is going to take yeah it is a hundred percent it is no longer self-actualization it is survival and that's a really that's a really cool way to literalize uh the high concept of apocalypse of his survival of the fittest and i think for this kind of story it works really well as a nice little self-contained backup i think the art uh by Borges really works here. Yeah, I was going to say that. colors add a huge amount of mood to this. I, I 100% agree. I, I think the art um, gives it more of an indie comic feel. It, it feels very sci-fi and out there. Um, and like I said, it, it could serve as a transition point between like Apocalypse playing in some sort of celestial sandbox and then returning to Earth because you don't really know where he's coming from and where he escapes to at the end of the story um it's just this self-contained world that he gets trapped in and then escapes from so uh i think it's fantastic i i would say as a publishing concept even though it works as backup stories um it it's interesting because i think this is one of the stronger x-men black stories of the x-men black stories that came out um so it kind of stinks that it's just relegated to the the backups but um, they do a fantastic job with it. It's probably my second favorite of them. I love X-Men Black Emma Frost. We right. talked about that yep. one. Yeah. Uh, that that one is the real winner. Then I think this one works. Then I liked I liked the Mojo one. <laughs> then I'd have to read the other three again because I'm pretty much... Yeah, they're, they're a mixed bag. Um, but I, I do think that's to its detriment that, you know, when you picked up the X-Men Black issues, if you were just going for like, oh, I like Mystique. I got what part three of this story. So I, hmm, am I going to seek out parts one, two, am I going to buy the rest of it? I, I don't know. Um, as a publishing concept, it's, it's an interesting one, but, um, I, I like it. I think it's a really there cool story. A, there was a hot second that every X book, like there was every week, there was a primary x-men book that was coming out mm-hmm. so it was x-men black for five weeks and then it was the uh 10 week slash 11 week uncanny x-men disassembled stuff that was going through and then they went bi-weekly on the rest of uncanny until Hoxpox, uh which was then a 12, 12 part weekly series. It's a ton of comics. Uh, it's it's pretty wild. And even and if, then they had new books for they had new books for six weeks straight. Yeah. After yeah. that, I mean, it, it, the publishing were, schedule is, is crazy. Even even through the pandemic, I mean, I realize they got slowed down by the pandemic, but it's it's pretty amazing. 
All right, let's rank this bad boy. This is definitely better than Extraordinary X-Men uh, Apocalypse War at 355. And where do we have uh, Emma Frost's X-Men Black? Emma Frost is at 93, okay. so it's not that high. Right. X-Men Black Mojo is at 266, and I think it's significantly better than that. I would agree. Um, I think we're probably... Like, okay, 152 is Extermination. How do you feel compared to that? I think this is a, a nice, like, this is very tight, you know? Like, it, it's it's a strong narrative from beginning to end, and it's a really good, like, standalone story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this is better than that. Um, so I think we're probably I would, probably I would tend 100s. to agree. Yeah. We're definitely, we're definitely in the 100s. I don't want to go too terribly far, because I get 145 is Assault on Weapon Plus. Yeah. Which I think is a better story than this. And Zach, Lonnie, if you're listening, Assault on Weapon Plus is pretty good. <laughs> I like you guys. It's pretty good. No, I think you've zoned in almost exactly where we should be. Um, like, I've got Jean Grey Psych Wars highlighted, and I think we're we're probably on par with, with that. Um I would go. I would go just slightly higher, uh, and push it above the quest for Nightcrawler from Amazing X Men at one forty eight. Okay, but that Amazing X Men, Avengers versus X Men, Jean Grey, uh, those are those are good territory. Man, Avengers versus X Men. We forgot that Avengers versus X Men is super entertaining, and everyone forgets that until they go back and read it. Isn't <laughs> isn't that right? Is that right? Like every time, it seems too high, but like it was a fun read. Sure. Yeah, it's a mess, but it's it's it was enjoyable. Um, so okay, well, are you what saying mess. it's better or worse than that? I think this is better than Avengers versus X Men, better than Amazing X Men one through five, worse than Wanted, Wolverine, Dead or Alive, where they go to Canada. Yeah, I think uh, I think you nailed it. So this is going to be our new one forty eight. This will be our new number one forty eight. A solid showing yeah. for X Men Black apocalypse man those stories uh were for the most part very fit and did survive (laughs) i mean they've done worse uh so (laughs) we got that going for us uh but we're done with the episode now we've we've ranked all of our stories and we have got to thank matthew thompson again for that because matthew went on over to patreon.com slash comics xf tossed a couple of dollars all way uh and that keeps the site running uh so we're really happy about that thank you matthew um Beyond that, uh, if you want to be like, I already gave the pitch at the beginning of the show. You don't need to hear it again. <laughs> Support us or don't. I'm not your dad. I don't care. <laughs> Adam, dad. what do you got going on? Uh, guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. And uh, what do we got on tap next week, Zach? Next week on tap, we've got Weird 70s Beast Stories Ooh. is what I wrote down. <laughs> Very cool. I feel like I feel like sometimes... People don't understand what we have to go through when someone pitches a story, and instead of the most obvious thing that we could tie that story to, I choose the weirdest thing that we could do. (laughs) Because here's the thing about Beast in the 70s. He was mostly on the Avengers and the Defenders. uh, Not the... Champions? No, he didn't join the Defenders until the 80s. Okay. He He was mostly on the Avengers, and I did not read that. (laughs) Did not read Avengers in the 1970s. Uh, you weren't alive. It has Wonder Man, and I don't like Wonder Man. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Uh, but until then, folks, 
Uh, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!